It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors poop the bed twice against maybe the worst team in the league. Maybe not. Maybe they're amazing. Maybe the Raptors are the worst team in the league. Who's to say? We're going to try to pick apart the pieces and figure out what the hell the Raptors do next after falling to 13-14 and 14 with a pair of losses down in Orlando. We'll do that with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com as we always do on Mondays. It's all coming up. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1299 of Locked on Raptors for Monday, December the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. Following me at that there Twitter account will give you the inside track to all of my work. You can also go support the podcast by subscribing, following, rating, reviewing, whatever the app of choice in the audio world suggests you do for the podcasts you like to support them. Go ahead and do that. You can do it for free on all those apps. And we are, of course, on YouTube for free as well. Each and every day, you can go hit the big red subscribe button and support the show that way, too. And it's much appreciated when you take the time. Also appreciated today is LinkedIn Jobs. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who help you find the qualified candidates who you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right. Uh, not great, Bob. We are joined by Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com to sort through it. I, the Raptors, you know, I think it needs to be said. The Raptors haven't had like a stinker loss to this point, or at least before Friday on the season. If you look at their schedule, all their losses, pretty reasonable. Oh, you lost to a good team. That's what happens. Good teams beat you sometimes. Sometimes the Pelicans go crazy. All of that. Losing to the Magic twice, easily the two worst losses for the team so far this season. Both, I think, very different losses, but also the same. Uh, and so, Big V, Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com, welcome in, pal. Uh, boy, wh- where do you want to start? Let's just, like, dive on in, shall we? What was your big takeaway from this weekend from hell as the Raptors fall to the dreaded under 500 mark, you know? They're right. They're two games out of the four seeds, so it's not like it's all that crazy. But doesn't look great. Doesn't feel great. Not awesome to see the Raptors shoot. Uh, I don't know four percent from three over the course of a weekend. Where should we even start here, man? What was your biggest takeaway? Uh, biggest takeaway is that the inconsistency in approach is very, very real at this point, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I think uh, early on in the season, I put it down as a hmm. Uh, and, you know, I felt like, hey, the identity of this team isn't quite there. You always expect the Raptors to play hard, uh, to sort of impose their will on games. And 
when you look at Friday's game uh, and Sunday's game, like the approach was better in Sunday's game. It was pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. There was still, you know, some botched uh, defensive execution. There was obviously the bad three-point shooting. And so uh, those things need to be addressed. But again, if you I feel like if you had brought that Sunday's approach to Friday's game, mm -hmm. you probably come out with a win. And so I think when you look at the NBA calendar, like that consistency and approach is so important because mm -hmm. then you don't lose the ones you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And the Raptors are sort of having these inconsistent nights where where they when they bring that effort and intensity and they end up losing at the end it's hard to take the moral victory because you've dropped that game that you shouldn't have the night before or the night after mm -hmm. or whatever it is mm -hmm. yeah i think pretty clearly fridays was like the more unforgivable loss of the two sunday there's no OG, which, like, you should still beat the Magic without OG, but obviously yeah. he's been incredibly instrumental this season, not having him's tough. The roles change, blah, 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 blah. You get the foul trouble for Pascal Siakam, which, sure, that's on Pascal for getting in foul trouble, but also, like, that's not been an issue for him at all this season. You get a weird whistle. You have a couple of, you know, possessions go the wrong way. You get smarmy Ben Taylor getting on the mic and doing challenge overturns and stuff like that. You know, it, it, it's that's going to happen sometimes. But... You know, th then there's no margin for error after you lose Pascal for a long stretch of the game and you don't have OG and Scotty's having an off night. The threes aren't falling. The defense can be there, but it, it just, it, it was, I think, you know, it was also very foul heavy on both ends. There was not any flow to the game. The Raptors are a very flow based team. I can excuse the loss on Sunday, but compounded by the loss on Friday where you do the thing where it's like oh well we're the raptors they're the magic we can turn this on whenever we want and win the game you can't just do that like it's just there's not enough margin for error this team doesn't have like enough offensive punch to fall down to teams and think okay well we can just make the fake comeback every time there's a reason the fake comebacks never finish with a win it's because they're they just don't have the juice to pull off warriors like 30 point comebacks all the time and i know it wasn't 30 against the magic it was 20 in that or 18 i think in the in the third quarter there but Man, just as great as it was to see Pascal Siakam go god mode for a second, he can't do it all himself, and he went god mode a little too late on in the game for the Raptors to have the juice to pull that one out. And yeah, the the defense in that one, really bad. Letting Franz Wagner go off, you know, it's he's a very good player, obviously. He's very exciting, but like you shouldn't be letting that happen. It's, it's a lot of things, man. It just feels like it's whack-a-mole, and I also feel like... More than most teams, the struggles on one end bleed into the struggles on another for this team. And like we, we've talked all along the last couple of seasons, this team is about positive feedback loops. You get good defensive process and stops. You get out on the run. You don't have to bog things down in the half court. You actually score the basket and aren't, you know, running back to sort of contend with transition opportunities for the other team. And they just have been in negative feedback loops way too often lately. And I don't know really where the solutions begin. Maybe it's just as simple as everyone starts hitting their threes. 
is it just that simple, Big V? Like, there's a better stretch here from Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi, who obviously didn't play Sunday, or even Gary Trent Jr., who's been maybe one of the bright spots of the last couple of games. I don't think maybe, definitely. Um, like, I guess there's no other shooting on the roster to really lean on, which is a problem, I suppose, maybe one that was foreseeable. Like, is it just that, or is there other stuff going on here? And, like, I don't even know where to sort of diagnose the root of the problem We'll get into sort of bigger picture questions, I suppose, as we go along through this show. But for now, I, I just I, it's very perplexing to see that consistency wane. And I suppose I'm looking for the inflection point that's causing the consistency to wane. Is it Nick Nurse overtaxing guys and not having the energy to play that level all the time? Is it the just the sheer demanding nature of the way they play? Is it the fact that they just can't shoot and that's deflating? I, I don't really know where it begins. Do you have any hunches? Yeah, I I think for sure the three point shooting uh, should be better uh, at some point. Like you look at the individual numbers, you've got uh, Gary at thirty three point five percent. Obviously, he's been trending in the right direction. So you mm-hmm. hope that just continues. He's um, been trending in the right direction. I heard you sneak that in. <laughs> Don't think you can get that past me. I'm Hugo Lloris, baby. Uh... <laughs> uh, and then you see. Fred Van Vliet is down at 32.6%. Chris Boucher is at 29%. Uh, OG Ananobi obviously didn't play uh, on Sunday, but he's at 33.1%. So you still expect those numbers to improve. Uh, we don't know what Precious Situa is going to look like as a shooter once he comes back. Obviously, he didn't look not- great before he went out. Exactly. <laughs> so that is an encouraging. You need Otto Porter Jr. back. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, these last seven games where the Raptors are two and five, they are shooting 26.5% on non-corner threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the corner threes are okay. They're about league average at 37%. Um, Play the parade. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but it's the non-corner threes uh, that are killing the Raps right now. And... You know, again, uh, I think this is a team that unfortunately right now looks like they need um, their offense a little bit to feel things defensively as Mm -hmm. opposed to maybe us being used to seeing uh, them operate in reverse the last few Mm -hmm. seasons where their defense really triggered their offense. Um, and obviously with their offense not really having the highest ceiling, that is a discouraging sign. Mm-hmm. But you hope that maybe, you know, a good stretch of games where they shoot the ball well just sort of clicks everything into gear. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still, I think for all the panic that's out there, I'm still like, man, if they were a bad team, they would not be 10-3 and three at home at this point, right? Like it's mm-hmm. very much like, hey, there's a team that's 10-3 and three at home, 3-11 and 11 on the road, Um and again, that goes back to consistency and approach, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you are very consistent with your approach, you are a good re- road team because you're mm-hmm. not as phased uh, by all these other things that come in as, as factors or X factors, whatever you want to call it. So that consistency and approach is definitely a major concern. Yeah, to me, 
I really feel like the root of the problem is the half-court offense being as bad as it's been. And I do feel like that's bleeding into everything else. I do feel like that is sapping the life out of the team when they, you know, you, you're you not in your set defense, you're you're cross-matched, whatever it might be. You're, you're just, it's a harder slog on defense. And when it's compounded by the fact that Fred Van Vliet's had a really bad season at the point of attack, Scotty Barnes has fallen off a cliff as a defender at the point of attack. He's had his moments rim protection wise, not so much last night, but he's had his moments there. It's just, you're not getting enough in terms of everyone pulling the same direction on defense. And I think it gets a lot easier to pull in the same direction when you aren't sort of hanging your head after another brick that's been laid on the other end. And, you know, most of the time I do feel like the Raptors defense is what powers the team. And when the defense is clicking, then the offense will kind of kick into gear. It's a very chicken or egg thing. You could kind of look at it either way, but I really do feel like the offense being so just bereft of anything right now, other than Pascal Siakam doing everything, which he does a lot. And they missed it last night. Cause he only played, what was it? 27 minutes due to the foul trouble. Um, or wait, did he play 38 last night? He did. I read that wrong. Oh my goodness. Despite the foul trouble, 38 minutes, either way, it's it clearly like sapped his sort of aggression on defense and stuff as the game progressed after he picked up that fourth one. Um, point still stands. It, it, it just, it, it's really difficult when your offense is having this much trouble and, and you know, Siakam has an off night. You, you're just not going to have enough to sort of get those positive feedback loops going. And, and I, I, we're going to get into a second here into questions of how to fix these issues. We're going to talk about trade stuff. We're going to examine Nick Nurse, who I think people are starting to get a little bit uh, antsy about, which we'll examine. We got the good, the bad, the hmm coming up later on too. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, and they are the folks who are going to stop you from having to pay money for subscriptions you no longer want to pay for. I do this all the time. I'll sign up for something for a one-month trial just to kind of get one use for a specific thing I need. An example that comes to mind is I once signed up for a e-card site during the pandemic because I couldn't see my family, so I made like an e-card account site so I could send my sister a birthday card, and then I forgot to cancel it, and then I got charged like 50 bucks a year later for another round of this e-card site. It was really stupid because I forgot that I'd even signed up for it and then all of a sudden my money's gone. I'm never getting it back. If I had Rocket Money at the time, I would have not been paying for that e-card site more than I had to. I would have got that one month free trial and never thought about it once again. Uh, and it's uh, really, don't waste your money anymore. Subscriptions are designed to take your money. They're designed to be there so you forget about them and then just slowly leak that money out of your account. Don't be the one who is paying money for stuff that you don't want. The, apps, the app is going to show you all your subscriptions in one place. Cancel what you don't want for now. It's a wonderful thing. Go and check them out. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, could save you hundreds of dollars a year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, we continue on here with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com, your first listen of the day. Let's uh, dive in here to some, I, I guess, like problem solving, uh, shall we? <laughs> the Raptors are 13 and 14. The trade deadline still a couple months away, but as of Thursday, players signed to new contracts in the offseason, for the most part, become available to be traded. I think it goes something like 70% of the league to like 89 or 90% of the league can be traded as of Thursday. And so now this is the time where you're going to start to hear the rumor mill start to percolate. On Friday, on Zach Lowe's podcast, before he got hammered on live television after Croatia uh, won in the World Cup, he dropped a podcast where... In a little aside about the Atlanta Hawks, actually, kind of brought up the Raptors and mentioned there's a lot of noise around the league regarding the Toronto Raptors and stuff that could happen around them. Now, if you listen to the podcast and you know how these things work within the league, the way Zach laid it out to me suggests it's not anything that the Raptors are putting out there. It's all rival execs looking at the Raptors, very similar to the OG stuff in the offseason, the way I read it, which is, hey... There's a team that's weird that we don't quite understand. Maybe they'll trade their good players to us. That's really the way I kind of read that. But still, it suggests that, you know, there is a vibe around the league that the Raptors could go ahead and do something. And I would imagine that vibe will only get stronger if the Raptors keep on losing games to the freaking Orlando Magic. And so, I ask you, Big V, we're going to get to Nick Nurse in a sec, but on the trade front, A... Is there a trade out there? Is there a type of player? We don't have to get into specific names necessarily because that can bog us down. But is there a type of player the Raptors need to be targeting right now to just try to fix the ills of the roster at the moment? Or is it just a matter of waiting for guys to get healthy, which is maybe a waiting game you play forever? And if you're relying on Otto Porter Jr., who's played eight games, maybe that's a bad thing. Either way, is there a trade out there that you see for a certain archetype that could fix this? And at what point... Does it become imperative for the Raptors to pull the trigger on something to fix what is pretty clearly a growing trend of just like a very up and down season? Well, it's funny that you mentioned getting bogged down because I think there is a certain Bogdanovich <laughs> that could help this team. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Go ahead. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, a lot of people are talking about Detroit Pistons, uh, Bogdanovich. Uh, mm -hmm. Personally, I prefer Atlanta's Bogdanovich. Mm -hmm. uh, just because... Why I not both, I say? Let's do full both. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> and, you know, that's... And to be clear, that's not to say I wouldn't want Detroit's Bogdanovich, right? Like, if mm -hmm. you can get one or the other, that's a win. Uh, mm -hmm. I would consider uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich... Uh, a bigger win just because he has more playmaking ability. He can handle the ball a bit more, and that's also a need for the Raptors. He's also uh, very healthy all the time, which would be a great change for the Raptors. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that knee is a bit of an issue, but um, yeah, I'm a big fan uh, of Bogdanovich, and I I feel like you know once the Hawks are healthy with Trey and Dejounte. Uh, Maybe there's a window there where you could uh, create some type of deal for him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they aren't the the heaviest at the wing position. Uh, I know, mm -hmm. obviously, they've got some young guys uh, coming through, but maybe if they're looking for someone for the now, maybe there's something there. Uh, but yeah, that's the type of player I would be looking at. And beyond that, obviously, a big man would be a major need. I think. Mm. We are getting to the point where we see that 
having a center makes a big big difference. It uh, sure does. <laughs> and I think the one thing I've been thinking about, especially with regards to Scotty, is do the Raptors have a bit of a problem uh, in terms of you know starting five construction at least, where mm. it seems like Scotty is best off defending bigs mm -hmm. <laughs> relative to the other position. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you also have a need for a big. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know that Scotty defending bigs is uh, the best for a lineup. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I, I do think it's best for him. So I think that's a, an interesting conundrum that the Raptors might have there. Yeah. Um, your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I mean, as far as like the perfect archetype to trade for, I think I have kind of come around on like a shooting presence of some kind. Someone with a little bit of juice is probably the top priority um, because, you know, half the nights Christian Coloco actually does the thing you need from him. The other half of the nights he doesn't uh and that's a problem but i do think the just to kind of go back to my overall sort of thesis here the half court offense being so bad still being bottom of the league per cleaning the glass that needs to be addressed for any of the stuff on the defensive end to really matter all that much and so i'm with you a guy like bogdanovich from atlanta would be great if he were healthy um you know boyan bogdanovich also a pretty you know sleek addition i would say and i think if you can find shooting with size and this is why i'm so in on Otto porter jr and potentially the idea of starting Otto porter jr once he comes back is you mentioned scotty barnes right now he's best as a defensive big and i think if you surround him with enough size and wing defense you can probably get by with him as your stopgap defensive big with the, no, the knowledge that you have christian coloco to bring in off the bench if you need someone with just a little bit more size there I think if you surround a Scotty Barnes at center with the shooting of an Otto Porter Jr., you get Fred, you get OG, you get Siakam, that to me is a lineup that can work. That's big ball that, that makes sense to me while also being small. I think that's passable if you have that sort of emergency big man to slide in. And so for me, if you can get someone who is kind of like Otto Porter Jr., who may be healthier, uh, that to me maybe feels like a bit of a solution here. And Bojan is not the defender that Otto Porter Jr. is, but he's certainly on the level as a shooter, probably has a lot more offensive juice in terms of just being able to create stuff as well. So I think you can kind of get a similar type of injection of the things that the Raptors desperately need if you can get a big, tall, shooting wing type. Problem is those dudes don't grow on trees, right? It's just it's, yeah. it's a it's a limited field you're pulling from. There's a lot of teams that are going to want those guys. They're highly coveted. You'll get into bidding wars. You're probably looking at one, even two first round picks in some of these cases. It gets tricky. the The backup <laughs> center idea, or just a center, I, I do still think that's a thing they could go and do. Why not do both things? I think you can easily you know, justify doing that considering the talent at the top of the roster, which begins with Pascal Siakam, who's fantastic, who you should be doing everything you can to support right now because that guy rocks. Yeah. But it, it, it's, you know, as far as priorities, I do think like a wing shooting type is, is desperately needed. And, you know, if Otto Porter Jr. were healthy, maybe we're not having that conversation. But I don't think at this point you can rely on Otto Porter Jr. to be healthy throughout the season to provide what in theory he could provide to your starting lineups, your bench lineups, your closing lineups, whatever it might be. Um, I'll yeah. quickly add with yeah. uh, Detroit Bogdanovich, like uh, 
he is definitely a passable defender. Like he's no, I'm not saying he's not. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So, um, I think there's enough room there uh, to work him in and have him be very, very good for the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just anyone, and this gets even more complicated, right? Because who we talked about as a potential trade piece all season long. Gary Trent Jr. is the only guy who's doing anything shooting-wise right now as he kind of come, is coming back to earth this last little time coming off the bench. It's been great to see. I, like, can you just go and trade that guy at this point? Is he back to being like, I didn't think this was the case early on in the season, but it's kind of becoming the case the last couple of weeks here where his shooting is a necessity for the team. You need to have it out there. The way he plays off of Pascal is really valuable. And can you go ahead and make a deal with him involved? And then the salaries get tricky with other guys. It's a, it's a big sort of spicy meatball to dig into here. Um, Nick Nurse, let's quickly talk about him. We might run a little long, but that's fine because there's a lot to examine here today. Uh, Nick Nurse played a lot of guys a lot of minutes uh, in that game against the Magic. Kind of felt like he had to in some cases. You don't want to lose two to the Magic. It, I don't know, man. It, it, it It's, I still think Nick Nurse is a really good coach. I think you'd be foolish to suggest that he's not really good at coaching a basketball team. He wins a lot of games for a reason. That's kind of the thing he does. Um, you know, the depth is a concern. I don't want to hear about Malachi Flynn being the solution. I mean, he can maybe help. Maybe he deserves some run, but also like that's a Nerf ball solution. That's not actually a real tangible solution to the team's problems. Um, where are you at with Nurse right now and his performance this season, how he's holding up, how much blame do you put on his plate for what's happened here the last little while as they've kind of lost the plot, the consistency has waned, or is there a concern for, you know, the, his just sort of style and demeanor maybe wearing thin? I, I don't really know. I, I, I don't think I'm there. I'm definitely not there, actually. I think Nick Nurse is a really good coach. You'd be silly to fire him without a really good replacement in mind. And maybe that's just Earl Watson. I don't know. Maybe that is a good replacement for a different vibe. But where are you at with Nurse and the way things have transpired with him and, you know, the plot, the the, the sort of path forward with him here now? Yeah, I mean, I'm nowhere near wanting to, like, get rid of Nick Nurse uh, as yeah. the head coach of this team. Uh, that's a very uh, mid-2000s Raptors-ass decision were it to be made. Let's just make <laughs> that very clear. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I think there's issues with the offense. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot more creativity uh, that could be asked for on that end of the floor. I think uh, defensively, you know, we've we've talked about it on this podcast where you've got good enough defenders to not have to be um, so reliant on the scheme all the but time. Do they at this point? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair question as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and on that front, like, you know, we have seen OG, uh, defend one-on-one more this season, right? And yeah. He's the of, ace in the hole. They've been busting that out quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think there is progress on that front. Um, you know, Pascal obviously is a very good defender, but the demands to, ask him to defend one-on-one a lot is probably a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect, I, I still expect Fred Van Vliet to absolutely be better. And then, you know, conversations probably shift from there. Mm-hmm. Um, he is really, really important to this team's success and, you know, just seems a, a step slow right now and the shooting isn't there. And, uh, you know, hopefully, 
Gary sorting through things and looking like he's get, getting on the other side of things is a good sign for Fred and that it's just a matter of time. And, mm -hmm. you know, OG shooting, maybe just a matter of time. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, you know, if, if the number, if the shooting numbers kind of stay where they've been for OG, then, you know, you, at some point you do wonder how much of that defensive effort is maybe impacting the jump shooting. Sure. Uh, but, you know, for now, I'm just in wait and see mode in that. And I think once those things correct as well, you know, all of a sudden the head coach looks a little smarter too. Yeah, for me, I still, like, as much as I've been kind of uh, unhinged today, I, I still ultimately believe this is a good team that's going to win some games and get on a bit of a run at some point here. Like, they're too talented. Pascal is playing too well. They have too high of a defensive ceiling for this not to happen and kind of get rolling. It's just, obviously, I understand the impatience. I get why there's a little bit of, like, urgency maybe creeping in for the fan base. But I also feel like generally this front office has practiced patience they have never made rash decisions and they usually get the benefit of that usually it pays off to be patient and i think that is like the great market inefficiency in professional sports a lot of the time is just letting things ride a little bit being patient not being too quick to jump to decisions and kind of throw your whole thing into flux and it would be super rash to go and make any sort of big coaching decision at this point i just think you know, it's been a season of a lot of topsy-turviness. There have been guys in and out. Again, a lot of teams are going through exactly what the Raptors are going through right now and have had swoons and spells and streaks, and it's just been a very bizarre NBA season. At some point, you got to make some decisions, and, and, you know, maybe the deadline becomes that sort of pressure point for them to start to make some calls. But as far as Nick Nurse, that doesn't feel to me like the problem. And if anything, I think you can maybe put a little blame at the front office for not producing a roster with guys who were coming up. Malachi Flynn, bad pick, did not work out. Uh, Delano Banton hasn't shown a whole lot this season to tell me just yet that he's on the path to being a rotation player. There's a lot to like there, but there's also a lot to dislike. Justin Champagny hasn't gotten a shot. Obviously, he's been hurt quite a bit. That plays into it. Um, the other injuries up and down the roster complicate all of this, and you shouldn't be relying maybe on those guys coming through, but... If you have the sort of mysticism of the Raptors development program working to its sort of desired effect, then these guys are coming up and able to step in and kind of offer something from those deep roster spots. And that hasn't been the case for the last couple of years now. And this is not me saying the front office is a failure, that you should be getting rid of the front office, but like they're fallible, things go wrong. And I, and I don't think there's one place to put, put all the blame. I think it's guys having unseasonably cool seasons. It's... Uh, you know, injuries kind of throwing the season into flux for the first little while. And Siakam kind of, I think, going out of the lineup had long-reaching sort of tendrils as effects that kind of are still being felt to this day. Um, you know, there's a lot. And there's not one dude. And I think to say, oh, well, it's Nick Nurse's fault, get rid of him. That is very much missing the point and kind of getting hyper-focused and getting focused on the thing that's easy to get focused on, right? That's the easy thing to say. Get rid of the coach. That's the problem. It's always more complicated than that, and I think especially with this team. Um, we're going to come back on the other side, get into our good, bad, and hmm from the weekend. The good might be very short. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs, the place for you to find candidates, the right candidates for your team, and faster. 
Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% sure you got the best people applying for your job, and LinkedIn Jobs is the way to do that. Perhaps you might be in the look on the market for some three-point shooting, much like the Toronto Raptors. If you put your hiring your job onto your LinkedIn profile, you put the purple hiring frame around your profile photo, that's going to send the message out to potential shooters that you're hiring, and uh, they can go and apply. And, and, you know, the beautiful thing is that you get screening questions, very simple tools to help you get the right candidates. So if someone applies and their three-point percentage is like 28%, you can just say, no, not interviewing you. You don't fit the bill. But if someone with like a 44% three-point percentage is applying for your job, baby, that's exactly what you want to be doing if you're the Raptors front office right now. You can go interview that candidate. This is how sports work, right? Either way, the analogies may be wearing thin, but the point is LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you hire the people who are going to fit exactly what you need. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rounding out our Monday therapy session. I don't know, (laughs) with... uh, the good, the bad, and the hmm from an 0-2 weekend down in Orlando. We'll start with the good, I guess. Uh, Big V, you got any good to share? There's got to be something uh, over the, these couple of games that pops to mind. Yeah, no, I really like the way Gary Trent Jr. is playing. I, mm-hmm, I think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a real positive for the team. I think that, you know, him being able to carry it over to the starting lineup when he was inserted in was good as well. But Mm -hmm. off the bench, I think that's an encouraging sign in terms of figuring out what's the best starting five. And then can you complement that with some pop off the bench? Sure. Um, You know, take off some of the pressure from Boucher and, you know, potentially a when he's back. Uh, So, yeah, I think Gary's signs are very encouraging, not just from a standpoint of, Hey, uh, you know, this is a boon to the Raptors offense. It's also if come February, you're looking at a move, you want his value as, as high as possible. And sure thing. And yeah, teams are probably looking at Gary now and saying, yeah, this is the player that we remember from last season. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, good. My good is uh, Pascal Siakam just kind of taking the game by the horns on Friday. Obviously, it didn't end up with a win, but it did kind of show. This is the thing we talked about with Samson on Friday, about how maybe that's like the one thing Pascal doesn't do or like it doesn't take it upon himself to do, which is just say, screw my teammates. I'm going to win us this game. And yeah, they were a little bit far behind. They were making up too much ground. They had like 20 points to make up in... 16 minutes and without Kyle Lowry uh that's a difficult thing to do um and so yeah I I I just felt like Siakam deciding all right well I'm gonna I'm the only way the only avenue to easy buckets here so I'm just gonna go and do that and get easy buckets 
I thought that was really, really encouraging. He was a plus 12 in a game they lost by four, 36 points, nine boards, seven assists, continues to just kind of, the nine boards, seven assists just feels like an every night thing <laughs> these days, um, which is great to see. It, it's just, yeah, it was a little too, little too late, but I don't think it was because of Siakam. It was cool to see him decide, yep, I'm the guy who's going to do it. And boy, he sure can do it. Uh, let's go to the bad. What was your bad other than all of it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Scotty Barnes had a frustrating time in Florida. I think tough stuff, man, because he looked real good before it. Yeah, yeah and then that's what makes it frustrating. I thought that those performances, you know, he was averaging 17 and 11 over those four games before. Um, and I think with him, I wonder how much of what we've seen this season is a rookie of the year kind of saying, hey, let me show you these different things I can do now. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so he's popping these threes and these mid-rangers and trying to be a different type of player. Obviously, the Raptors are also asking him to do that. So it's not definitely not a one-sided thing. Uh, mm -hmm. They're kind of ramping up that development. But I thought in those four games, I saw more of the player I saw last season. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, getting on the offensive glass, getting those put putbacks, getting more of those uh, finishes in the paint uh, that we were accustomed to seeing, really rebounding the ball, pushing the pace uh, when he's getting it off the defensive glass. And this goes back to Nick Nurse's message where he's kind of been like, hey, like, Scotty doesn't have to be a different type of player. Do mm -hmm. more of the stuff that you were doing last season. Mm -hmm. And I thought we were seeing that. Uh, in those four games prior. And so for him to kind of revert back these two games in Orlando uh, were pretty discouraging for me. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about Scotty that was so impressive last year is you dropped him in and instantly he was just, just a beautifully connective piece, right? Like he could finish plays, he could start plays, he could be in the middle of plays. And that was amazing. This year, it feels like he's trying to start him more often and he just doesn't quite have it just yet to do that at a high level. That's why I think he really struggled when Pascal was out because it was just a job that he's not quite ready for. But he's such a smart and intuitive basketball player that just like playing within himself, he's going to fall into 18 points just because he does things that lead to points. And yeah, it'd be nice to see him kind of fit around what Siakam is doing and you know what the whole team is doing really and just kind of be that super duper hyper ultra roller role player right now that's what they need from him there's plenty of time for 21 year old Scotty Barnes to round into on ball wing who is creating a whole bunch and is sort of a dual two-headed monster next to Siakam but I feel like maybe a little bit less would be more for for Scotty right now and uh tough to see him kind of revert back uh, after a pretty promising stretch there over the previous four games. My bad, I think Chris Boucher had like a very secretly off weekend and it felt like some of his misses were particularly damaging kind of run killers. And, you know, I, I'm very high on Chris Boucher. I think he very much belongs in six man of the year conversations and all of that. But I found just like the usual sort of injection of energy that he provides was maybe a little bit sapped just with some, you know, foolish mistakes. The fouling in the Magic, both games, I guess the Magic game. In Sunday's game, I thought, um, what, you know, it's just there, there's a lot with, with Chris Boucher um, that is good. But when that stuff is bad, it kind of veers into reckless and 
you know, rushed, and it just felt like a bit of a squirrely weekend from Chris Boucher. Not with, you know, don't expect it to continue, but I do think with the depth issues they were having, he's so important off the bench to not get a good version of Chris Boucher both nights was uh, a little discouraging and I think pretty damaging to their chances of winning those games. Let's get to the hmm, ground it out. What's your hmm to close this thing out, Big V? Yeah, I mean, we've seen Christian Coloco uh kind of have his ups and downs at the center position but mm. you know who knows if it's you know playing against your former team uh but i thought ken birch looked pretty good and yeah uh you know after friday's game nick nurse even said that he probably should have had birch out there for uh, longer uh, he mm-hmm. only got six seven minutes in that one and mm-hmm. so uh he got more run in this one and you know i, th- I thought he was pretty good in the minutes that he did play so i my hmm is, you know, whether we're, we're seeing a bit more of an opportunity emerge for Birch because obviously the center spot has kind of been a sore one for the Raptors this season. Yeah, I do think if there's a time to see what Ken Birch can give you as a traditional five, now is the time to see if that, you know, I've previously mentioned potential trade for a big of some kind is actually necessary. If Ken Birch can give you that stuff, then maybe it's not a thing you got to throw resources at. Um, and we haven't really seen an extended run for Ken Birch. We've seen a lot of like, oh, that was an interesting seven minutes of two points, one rebound, and uh, not screwing up. Maybe we see that a bit more over longer protracted stretches, and the whole center thing becomes less of a major concern. I like that. My hmm is maybe a bigger picture one, and not something I'm terribly concerned about just yet, but I was thinking of this watching the Magic, who are bigger than the Raptors, kind of built in similar, I would say, with a similar philosophy in mind of, hey, if all of the players are big, then, well, nothing you can do about it. My thing is, like, the Raptors maybe started this trend, but what happens if the whole league starts kind of going this way and they're all just bigger than the Raptors? They might be screwed. Uh, <laughs> the, the Pelicans, they're massive. Like, they're, they're kind of doing this thing, too. Lots of teams, the the Cavs, obviously they have the small backcourt, but they're big everywhere else. Like maybe there's a point of diminishing returns to playing the way the Raptors play. I don't think we're at that point yet because I think they still have probably the best roster suited to play this style of basketball in the league when you mix in, you know, the fact that the Magic are so green and untested. Maybe they get to be better and they're a problem, but then they probably will be a problem at some point in the, in the near future. But for now, I think the Raptors are still the best at it. They are still the standard for how to play this way when they're kind of at their best. But there is that that sort of, and I think it speaks to the importance of Coloco being good at some point here to kind of give them a little bit more heft. Because if you're only 6'9", at some point, these teams are going to put together rosters where everyone's 6'11", and uh-oh, you're kind of drawing dead once again. Not concerned about it just yet, but just a little thought. Uh to round out the show with that big v this was helpful i think hopefully we uh calmed the people down a a tad while also acknowledging that this sucked really bad weekend miserable stuff don't want to see that again uh certainly don't want the kings walking in on wednesday and lighting the beam in toronto uh it would be nice to see them get things back on track one of the best offenses in the league man yeah, that's going to be, I think, uh, a game that will either be really inspired and very happy or will cause all sorts of uh, widespread panic one way or another. We'll have it broken down on this show all week long. Big V, anything you'd like to promote for the good people out there? Um, I recently wrote about Scotty uh, and you know had a good conversation with uh, Brian Mason and you know what they've been working on together and where they kind of stand on his struggles and just getting 
their perspective of things a little bit. So you can go mm-hmm. check that out on raptors.com for all the footy fans out there. I did a preview of the Argentina Croatia semifinal coming up uh, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check that out at CTV. Uh, and besides that, you can find all my work on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Everyone go do that. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, follow, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts for free. We're also on YouTube, so hit the big red subscribe button over there as we push towards 3,000 subs. I uh, really appreciate the people who jump on in, even the very angry commenters who are sure to have all sorts of angry things to say beneath this episode. You're welcome in, too. Feel free to vent. It's fine. There's uh, there's lots to be upset about after the last weekend, even if perhaps the, uh, you know, burn it all down mantra is not perhaps uh, on point for the moment. Either way, uh, we'll be back again on Tuesday to continue scratching our heads, I suppose, <laughs> and uh, look ahead to the Kings game Wednesday, all that good stuff. Katie will be around on Wednesday. Jamar will be around on Thursday to break down the Kings game. And uh, it should be a nice, fun, loaded week. Casey Bannerman also going to be on Friday's show. Everyone's favorite Toronto Raptors-themed artist. It's going to be awesome. So uh, with that, we'll round it out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.